Welcome to this episode of Board Game Impact. Today we're talking about things we're looking forward to. So Kickstarters, games that we've got, games that we're starting to work with and going to play eventually. Um, but they're really just some cool games, so stay tuned. Hey, Josh. Hey, Bruce. Yeah, we're throwing something different at y'all. Um, so welcome to Board Game Impact. Uh, Josh and I both work in higher education, um, have master's degrees in the things, and we're breaking down gaming experiences and and what we're experiencing in the hobby for your benefit. So if that sounds cool, hit subscribe. Um, so Josh, in the last episode, I'm like all amped up right now. I don't know why. Um, this is a whole new energy, Bruce. A whole new, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not normally what this is like, but maybe. Um, so... So in the last episode, Josh, you and I were talking about how Kickstarter has been on the rise and they had 40% increase on things uh, of sales. Even when you remove outliers like Frosthaven being one of the most successfully funded things on Kickstarter ever. Um, so things are going really well on there. I know we're in the middle of uh, COVID, but we're also getting to experience some things digitally, um, some of these things. And so with that being said, I thought it'd be cool um, to just make this its own episode. And let's talk about games we're looking forward to. So this could be Kickstarters we backed during this pandemic, Kickstarters we backed before this pandemic, or games we pre-ordered that are finally coming and that we're going to get to experience soon, um, or games that we have and we're working on, and I'll make that'll make sense in a minute, um, but we can't play yet. Um, so Josh, why don't you jump in with this with just an example of what we're talking about and just kick us off. Absolutely. So we'll start with the thing that I am most amped because it is the most recent announcement. Uh, actually, I guess there's one on here that's more recent. And we're honestly amped for a lot of these. We're uh, amped for all yeah, of these. I think that Let's explains what I'm talking to, like my 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 ampedness right now. The, but yeah, Josh, what energy. is it? I want to talk for a second about perseverance. I mean, perseverance is something we all need in our lives right now, Josh. No, but the game, yes, uh, by we, Mind we, Clash. We do need it in our lives in more ways than one. If you have been a listener of this show for quite some time, you will know that one of my all-time favorite game publishing companies is Mind Clash Games. Mind Clash Games has published two of my top 10 games of all time, uh, Tricarion and Anachrony, along with another fantastic game that does not get enough love or recognition, Cerebria. Mind Clash is back with their fourth project, and I don't think they have missed yet. I think every game they have published has been a home run, and this looks like yet another grand slam in, in, in my book. Perseverance is a game that is live on Kickstarter. As we record this, only two days left to go, so probably by the time this goes live, it will be down Hopefully, late fingers pledge. crossed, <laughs> there will be some late pledges out there for all of the listeners. What Perseverance is, is a game. It is actually two games. Oh. Perseverance is 
two standalone games which can be played either independently or as a chronicle. Huh. So you yeah, can it is called the ca- play... uh, Castaway Chronicles. Yes. Perseverance Castaway Perseverance Chronicles. Castaway Chronicles. Episodes 1 and 2 suggesting that there may be new episodes coming later down the road. In Perseverance, you take on the role of a castaway surviving on an island that is inhabited by dinosaurs. Heck yeah. And so in episode one of this chronicle, you take on the role of survivors who are attempting to just do that, survive on an island that they are shipwrecked on with dinosaurs in the second game episode two you will be taking on the role of these same survivors but now you're starting to build your civilization you have begun to adapt to the island and you are starting to acquire resources and build things out so has some overarching mechanisms to it but there's no legacy element according to the Kickstarter page, which I think is really cool. That's so you can play these games as standalone games. You can play them back to back. You can play them separated by time. I, I think there's some really cool stuff going on here. They are competitive. They are strategy games. In traditional Mind Clash fashion, they have listed these as heavy middleweight games. I will say mind clash produces heavyweight games. Very much so. Generally Your mind speaking. will clash. It's literally in the name. But what I love about Mind Clash, I mean there's a lot of things I love, but one of the things that I truly love about Mind Clash is every time they make a game, they just saturate theme into their games. Yep. And surviving on a dinosaur island <laughs> is exactly the saturation of theme that I am craving right now. And if you really want to saturate, I love the way that Mind Clash is doing their pledges on this game. There uh-huh. are two pledge levels. There is a $95 pledge level for the standard edition. There is a $135 pledge level for the deluxe edition. That's it. Only choices. No add-ons. No expansions yet. It's just these two options. You can have cardboard and wood or you can have plastic. And when Josh says plastic, I'm just going to throw this out there because I have the Kickstarter page up in front of me. So... In episode one, there's one version of each of these characters that you could play as. For episode two, there is a more like battle hardened one because they've been on the island longer. So each character has like two minis, which is cool. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> yes. <laughs> cooler part, though, Bruce, that you did not point out. Um, I've given some stuff for you. This is your pick. 64 dinosaur miniatures. Yes, it is. 24 tramplers, 20 raptors, and 20 shield heads. I'm so excited 
about this game. It's not even funny. I have been waiting for the next Mind Clash game since Cerebria came out two, maybe three years ago. About two and a half. A yeah. while ago. Yeah. I am stoked. And, you know, I, I think that they have really, like I said, I think they've really done a fantastic job on offering deluxe components and base components. And that's what you get out of this. You know, the deluxe comes with some really great modular tray systems. You get some, in true Mind Clash fashion, absolutely phenomenal artwork. Mm-hmm. I, they've never made a bad-looking game. They all are beautiful, and this is no exception. Yeah. And then you get, in the deluxe edition at least, you get this box that folds in on itself and has drawers that pull out for each edition, uh, episode of the game. Oh, it just, it looks so good. It really does, listeners. Like, it really does look good. And I was looking at this, and I'm like, ooh, that's really cool. I'm, I know it's Mind Class, so I've been waiting for Josh to back it. And I, I actually took a screenshot of the email I got from Kickstarter, which, by the way, if you didn't know, you can follow your friends at Kickstarter. Do it, but don't do it, because it's also really dangerous, because then it's like, ooh, but I don't want to miss out. It triggers, if you have FOMO, don't do it. Um, so fear of missing out. But... Josh, what has gotten me from what you just talked about? Because I like didn't really fully sink my teeth into this because I'm like, I know Josh is going to get it. I'm going to get to play it. But the fact that you said I didn't realize about the non-legacy component and because mm-hmm. like one of my biggest things and like granted, you're talking to somebody who like has Gloomhaven, bought Frosthaven, like that's a thing where like, I'm going to play with the same people. And before this call, you and I were talking about Pandemic. Um and with that being said, one of the biggest problems with those games is you can't have somebody jump in and out. But if this isn't where you have to play with the same people to make it happen, and it's 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 more standalone than than these more legacy games, I I want to see if they've broken the code um, and figured out how to make this happen. So Bruce, I'm just going to read directly from the Kickstarter here with their about the chronicle mode, and that's what they're calling this as as the the system it's okay. not, uh, versus a legacy. And by the way, listeners, this so, is a giant Kickstarter page. It is. It really uh, is. The chronicle mode, though, states that the standalone episodes can be linked together in the infinitely replayable chronicle mode. At the end of each game, you earn a title based on your performance and accomplish the goals they provi- they will provide in the next game. Huh. Accomplished goals and achievements earn you glory, which you can spend to unlock permanent bonuses and abilities. The replayable non-legacy campaign can be wrapped up after episode two, but also picked up again and continued when more games in the series are released. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So it it seems like they've taken some things from that pandemic legacy concept of you're upgrading your characters, you're building upon it, we're going to continue to put out new seasons or episodes for you to, to work with, but you can also play these games standalone, and you can play them as many times as you want. There's no stickers, there's no tearing up cards, it's just... 
giving you this story that you are telling over various different um, playthroughs. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So, so I'm looking forward to this, Josh. So thank you. I I am stoked. Love me some Mind Clash. That is Perseverance. Highly, highly recommend that the listeners go and check that one out. If it is still available for pre-order or late pledging or even afterwards, Mind Clash is also wonderful in that oftentimes in the past they have offered Kickstarter quality deluxe edition components in their retail. And I have no reason to believe that they won't do the same here. Actually, I believe they will because the only thing they say on here is Kickstarter exclusive um, are a dice tray, a neoprene dice tray that you're going to get and a painted temple miniature. So it looks like one of those Mayan temples. Um, Those are the only things that are Kickstarter exclusive. So the deluxe edition is not Kickstarter exclusive, which is really cool. Yeah. Fantastic. So go and check that out whenever you get a chance. Yeah. Highly recommend. So since you went with that one and really cool things, um, I'm going to go with one that is not a Kickstarter, but I have many Kickstarters on here. Um, But that is a game. It is a game, uh, but it's considered kind of like its own hobby within gaming. Um, And this is something that I had been telling myself that I was going to hold off on until I get further into my PhD program, like finish it. Um, (laughs) But with COVID going on, and granted, I'm more than halfway through my classes, whoop to that. Um, But with COVID going on and um, just some like life perspective things, I was like, you know what? Life's too short, and I want to just start chipping away at it so I can start learning it because it is a lot to learn. Um, but that is, I've gone to the dark side, um, that some would say, and no, this is not war gaming. Um, I haven't done that yet, or 18xx. I have not done those yet. Um, but this is, and keyword yet, um, this is, I have really jumped into the deep end on Warhammer 40K by Games Workshop. Um, so for the listeners that are not familiar with Warhammer 40k, um, this is a game where essentially you buy sheets of plastic, um, and you, that are made up that when you put them together, they're models, but you have to glue them together. Um, but then you take those models and you will assemble your army. Each of the models has like different weapons and things represents different factions. I'm way oversimplifying this, um, but you will schedule and you'll play on these big giant tables with like scenery and stuff. And you will use tape measures to measure like distance that things can move and rolling dice to simulate battles. And there's many different types of battles you can have, like controlling objective markers or wipe everybody out or different kind of missions. Um, But this is considered essentially a hobby within itself within the gaming space because the modeling of it, like people get really into what's called kit bashing and making their own models um, by combining parts from different things. Um, the specialization of getting to build out your custom army because you can choose to buy different kits. You don't. There's not like a standard thing, um, or the you also paint them um, in the newest rule set. You get actually ten bonus points, Josh, um, for having a fully painted and what's called quote unquote battle ready army, um, which I actually think is kind of cool um, because yes, it's a marketing tactic because this game looks a lot better when they're painted. Um, but you know what? 
it has been super cathartic for me and I'm holding on in my hands um, to like after building this thing and customizing it, like putting the arms in different positions, putting the weapons on it. I even drill into them and magnetize the weapons so I can like swap weapons in and out. Like I've gone real deep into this y'all. Um, but it's been really nice for me to paint these things and feel really proud for making something that was literally nothing um, before this. So it's been cool. And I say this is something I'm looking forward to because I need to literally assemble and build an army. Um, And then I am going to be scheduling some time to go and play with a buddy up in Dallas um, and just camp out at his place for a weekend um, because he works from home. And we're going to play for a weekend. Um, I know him through uh, Board Game Geek and met him through conventions. So I'm really looking forward to that. Josh, do you have any thoughts on this whole like Warhammer thing? Because it's different. Well, Bruce, (laughs) I happen to recall one of the earlier episodes that I was on way back November of 2018. Yeah. One of my earliest episodes, I confessed that I had purchased an introductory box. You did. Warhammer 40K. You did. I was kind of setting you up on this one. (laughs) Sadly, I have not to this day (laughs) completed either of my factions out of my starter box. But it is something that I did find very cathartic at the time and something that I very much want to get back into. I really enjoyed. I particularly enjoyed the modeling aspects of it. Uh, I kind of fell off once I started to get into the painting because I was frustrated by my lack of skill and my lack of paint collection, if I'm quite sure. honest. Yeah. I, I didn't didn't have the colors that I wanted to be able to do all of the fun things that I wanted to do. It's something that I want to pick back up again and something that I I probably will pick back up again because I really did enjoy the modeling. I enjoyed the painting, though probably will want to get some new useful tools to help facilitate the painting a little bit more, um, make it something that I am a little bit more comfortable doing than what I am right now. But I really think this is a a, a cool way to – a cool kind of side hobby to to invest in and and something that I really enjoyed. I got into this because I wanted to learn to paint miniatures so that I could paint some board gaming miniatures. Never really intended to learn the game, but it's definitely something that I I would like to learn. Though I think if I'm going to really – get into this game it's probably going to require a switch to the age of sigmar okay yeah so age of then, Sig- yeah age of sigmar for listeners so warhammer 40k just real quick is takes place in the grim dark future and it's all out war and it's like giant like rope like mech suits and things like that or these like demon lords i am playing a race called tau who have like um they're kind of like robots. Um, they have robots, they have drones and, um, they look like really like sleek and elegant. Age of Sigmar is like D and D fantasy. Yeah. 
yeah, it's high fantasy. It's yeah. got your sorcerers and your paladins and those types of things. 40,000 is set in more of a sci-fi yeah. fantasy than a high fantasy. And so that's just a personal preference for me. I think that I've always enjoyed fantasy a lot more than sci-fi though. You know, I, I think that 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 is purely in my opinion, a matter of, of preference at that point. So yeah, really, really happy that you are enjoying this and, who knows? Maybe if I can get myself back in, I'll pull together a kill team so we can play some kill team. Yeah. Uh, at, next time we meet up. So kill team listeners is essentially instead of buying a whole army and making all that, you make like a five person squad. Um, it's a small version. And so they have like little intro boxes, but it's been really cool for me. It's been really helpful. I will say Josh, so hopefully and listeners to kind of calm nerves I have this one model in my right hand that I painted about a month ago and I see every flaw on it and it's, Oh, I'm always going to know it for that. But when I'm standing four feet away, you can barely see it. And then I have this model in my left hand that I painted two days ago. And I'm like, damn, I'm proud of that. It's still got some things, but you know what? By just doing it, I've learned more in the process of getting this one to it's doable than I would have if I kept working on it, working on it and by getting more models painted. Um, so by getting more models painted, I've learned a whole lot more. So encourage you just to jump in Josh and start painting more. Cause then you're going to see changes and see the impact just to put it out there. Well, you've convinced me, Bruce, I'll yeah. have to dig my paints back out and go buy some more colors. So I have the diversity I want so that I can uh, show off my paints. I, so, I will say, Bruce, um, you have really, it is a noticeable improvement and not a thanks. lot of time. Thanks. So I, I want to give you some credit. You, you've done a pretty good job with, with some of those paints. Thank you very much for that. And listeners, all I have for paint and Josh, I got a army painter box set for cheap on miniature market on sale. That's what I had to paint with. And then I just got some Citadel color contrast paints, which those things, phenomenal. Um, it is a noticeable difference, listeners. So if you want to try that out, go with like the basic Army Painter stuff, then maybe dip your toe into colors for the other one as you learn more. But Josh, um, let's do another thing you're looking forward to. Absolutely. So the we'll just kind of go down the yeah. line here. Yeah. The next... Actually, the more recent announcement than Perseverance even, equally as excited. I swear, listeners, <laughs> we are not a Stonemeyer podcast, but... Has yet to be proven wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> this is correct. You could fool me, and I am one of the hosts of this podcast. I once again want to talk about my absolute favorite publisher, Stonemeyer Games, and their new game, Pendulum. Yep. This is a very interesting game. And, and somewhat controversial. I'm, I'm excited and nervous and really looking forward to seeing how this works. Yep. So Pendulum is being published by Stonemeyer Games, but it is not 
a game designed by Jamie Stegmeier, the lead designer of that company. In fact, Pendulum's designer, who's you'll have to forgive me, name I'm going to blank on at the moment. I got you here in a second. It is his first ever game design. Mm-hmm. And Travis P. Jones. Travis P. Jones. I I I just want to kind of go through how this game came to existence yes, because I think important. that is a fantastic story. So Jamie Stegmeier and uh, Alan Stone, the owners of Stonemeyer, yep, do this event once a year known as the Designer. I can't designer forum designer something. It's like, it's a game day. Yeah. It's a game day where a bunch of designers who are working on games are invited to come and demo their games for employees of Stonemaier games, random people and volunteers of their community. Yeah. And at the end of that day, all of the people will rate each game that they demoed and pendulum is the highest scoring game to ever come out of any design day ever, ever. Uh, I believe it scored a 9.5 out of 10, which is astronomical. I believe wingspan, the standout game of 2019 won the spiel this all the things scored an eight during its time at somewhere in the eight range Yep, during its time at the designer symposium. That's what I believe the record show. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm ecstatic. Pendulum is a game in which each player will take on the role of a character competing for the monarchy of this fantasy world called Dunya. Dunya. And or Dunya. I don't really know how that's pronounced, but yeah. I'm sure Jamie Stegmeier has a video about it. That's probably true. <laughs> as as you compete for the crown, you will be taking different actions. So at its heart, this is a worker placement style game. The unique aspect of this game is that as you place your workers, you are dedicating them to an amount of time to take that action. Mm-hmm. And this is a game that uses sand timers. <gasps> it is a real time game. <gasps> Which is why a lot of people are very nervous, myself included. I have yet to find a real-time game that has been flawless. I found some good ones, but nothing that has worked the way it really should because real-time is hard. What I think is interesting about this, though, is that you're not making your decisions in real time all that much. So you have action spaces that will require 45 seconds, two minutes, or three minutes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the breakdown. And when you place your worker there, you are locking them up for that length of time. Uh Uh-huh. 
So you have that in between time to do other things like playing cards out of your hand and transferring your resources into victory points and all of those types of things. And then when your worker is freed up, you pick them up and then you decide where to send them next. And then you think about the things you're going to do next. So it, it has this, in my opinion, it sounds like it has some pretty good flow, but I also recognize that that is not going to be for everyone. And so have the designers of yep. this game and they have created a system of turn based that simulates the passage of time. So you don't so have to use the sand timers. You don't have to use the sand timers other than sand timers will mark out spaces that you can or cannot take. And so you still use them, but you just don't rely on them to track time. It's like a big pause. There's a little <laughs> chart that will track when you would move them rather than moving them when the sand runs out. I I think that this looks incredibly interesting. It has a pre-order that will be available on the Stonemeyer website starting in early August, so within the next week or two after this podcast releases. I believe in the next week they wanted to get it as close to the August 1st as possible. And then those pre-orders will ship sometime in probably September. And then uh, there will be a worldwide release shortly after that. If you are interested at all in this game, I encourage you to follow Jamie Stegmeyer on Facebook or on YouTube. He puts out regular designer diaries and explanations about this game. There have been a lot of watch it plays and rules explanation videos that have already been made uh, that you can go and look at. I believe Rado has done a pretty good. I liked his a lot. Uh, explanation and run through of at least one round of uh, this game that I think did a pretty good job of letting you it's the reason why I am going to get this game on pre-order the second it releases because it Jamie Stegmeyer hasn't done me wrong looking at the video it looks interesting and like something that I would like to play there is a review embargo at the moment, so no one is able to actually give their personal thoughts. If that's something that you look for, I believe at the end of the week is when that embargo will be lifted. Yeah. And so you can look for those um, in the coming days. But really encourage all of our listeners to check out Pendulum. If it sounds like something that you're interested in, there's some deck building, there's worker placement, there's time management. I think it looks really, really interesting. Bruce, any thoughts on Pendulum? Yeah, I've, I, I mean, you've pretty much covered a lot of it, which is great, and I think it's really helpful for the listeners. Um, to be honest, so there's a thing called Stonemaier Champion, um, and Josh, I know you've been one of these for a while. I hadn't. I was, I was kind of holding off, but what it is is, um, it's kind of essentially it's like a dollar a month, and you just pay like the twelve dollars all at once for a year, and then you get free shipping on anything from Stonemaier. Um, after I saw this and like some of the first designer diaries, 
I just became a Stonemaier champion um, because I'm like, I know I'm going to pre-order it. So it's either I just do this and then I just, that pays for all of my shipping for this game anyway. Cause I know I'm going to get it. Um, I'm on the page right now for pendulum and what really helps me. So I've played other real time games, right? Um, where it's like a race against the clock and I'll be honest, like that kind of stress does not bode well for me. Um, I just know that about myself and I will own that. Like if I hear real time, I get scared um, because it's like I know it's going to bring out some emotions in me that is like it's not me in my best um, and I'm, it's not going to be fun. It's going to rather be a um, little loss of control and it's just not good. But there's a comment by a guy named Robert and he starts off with like, if I have to be honest, um, I don't think the playthrough videos at this point are doing any favors because it's not really showing much or yet, right? Because it's still before it launches. Um, but he's like, I don't really want that artificial chaos and confusion or physical conflict, con- conflict when, it, when in fact there doesn't really need to be any of that. So, and he goes on. Um, so Jamie responds. He goes, Robert, I'm biased. But if Pendulum were a speedy, stressful race against time game, I wouldn't have published it. That, Josh, for me, calms every worry I have about it. Because he then he also says, he's like, it's a time optimization game. Players are flipping timers because they're eager to unlock their workers. So it's, it's, you're exactly right. It's like, I want that worker back. So instead of having the collection round at the end of a phase or whatever, now is when I get to get my worker back. The timer, I want to use the timer instead of the timer dictating and making me do actions in a space of time. Like I'm wanting to flip it to get my worker back. Um, and I think that is turning, turning this on its head. So we talked about with perseverance of have, has mind clash unlocked this whole legacy thing? Have they figured it out? And so I'm very curious if with this, they figured out how to do timers in a way that isn't inducing stress rather is in, is creating an experience where I'm wanting the timers because my person's on the clock. Well, so my read watching some of these videos and seeing things happen is there is some stress involved in the timer aspect, but the bigger stress is not so much. I have to take this action right away. I need to get this done before whatever the read that I have is if I place my worker in this super high valued spot, I'm not going to be able to access that worker for three real minutes. And so I have to really give that some thought is do I lock this person up for three minutes and, and not be able to use him to take these other actions for that length of time Or do I just continue to run this quick engine of 45 second timers over and over and over again? Yeah. If you think about it, 45 seconds is a quick pace, but it is a good time for you to plan out what your next move is going to be, especially if you're not getting blocked out of that move by your opponent's. There are some ways to block your opponents here, but 
I don't think it's enough that it's going to ruin that experience for you. I agree. I agree. So that's Pendulum in a nutshell. And um, we have, didn't even get into there's mild asymmetric things with each of the different player boards. Um, but then there's like a novice side and like a more experienced side. We didn't get into like all those kind of things. We're just talking about, we're really looking forward to it. Um, and we encourage you to look at it too. And I think it was most important that we focused in on that timer aspect because I know that when people hear that, a lot of people will just shut off. Um, so I'm glad we leaned into that, Josh. Well, and again, I will also say looking at it, the turn order mechanic, the variant that you can play, I really think if if that just completely shuts you off to the point that you're not interested in the least bit, the turn order optional variant, I think looks like it solves it to the extent that you could still play and enjoy this game. Yeah. And the pre-order launches on their website on the August 5th. Um, so regardless of when this podcast comes out, know that that's the pre-order. And so if you're wanting to hop onto that, do that. Um, because last time they had a pre-order was Wingspan. It sold out real fast, but then they added tapestry. more. Sold out tapestry. Faster. Yeah, true. Tapestry. That's what I meant to say. Um, coming off the heels of Wingspan. So I got another one for us to talk about um, that also involves sand somewhat. Um, but <laughs> that's a stretch. Um, but it is a Kickstarter that I backed that is Kemet. Blood and Sand by Matago. Um, so Kemet is not new. Kemet's been around, I think, 2012-ish. Um, and it's really great area control. Um, you're selecting what you're doing on this little pyramid. You have to take one action from each level of the pyramid. But the original Kemet had these. They used D4s in a really interesting way. So those are the pyramid ones. And guess what? That's how you level up your pyramid. You turn the die, which is just cool. And it takes place in ancient Egypt. So you've got like Egyptian gods. And um, there's a really fascinating thing with the way they designed the board where every space is two spaces away from everywhere else. Um, so it's really cool. Just the movement abilities in this game, either by teleporting around through the obelisks and things. Um, but what's really interesting about Kemet for those who haven't played is there's this giant selection of tiles, um, that you can essentially pray to your different types of gods. Um, um, and, They've renamed those, thankfully, in this in this version. I'm not going to get into why that's important right now, um, but they did. And so, let's say I was paying, uh, praying to the blue goddess, right? Well, then I could um, unlock some blue tiles. And if I have that tile, most likely nobody else has that tile because it's this common pool. And so, immediately, you start having more asymmetric or different play from everybody else. And sometimes these can be like game game breaking things. Um, so you essentially, you have this really cool identification of my army's cool because it has these things. Um, so I get to be special in my way with my army, um, in trying to achieve victory points. Cause that's the goal of the game. Um, but also you're defeating people to get victory points or controlling areas to get victory points. So I played Kemet a bunch, Josh, I think you and I have even played Kemet, right? Yeah, I really enjoy Kemet. Yeah. Uh, Kemet is very, very interesting. I, I think the three games that are in that series, Kemet, 
Cyclades and the other one. Yep. We'll go with the other uh, one for right now. You can look it up because <laughs> I haven't played the other one. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that of those three, I think I still like Cyclades. Oh, Inish. Oh, yeah. Duh. Third. Yeah. Yeah. I have still uh, haven't played of it. Of those yes. three, Cyclades is still my favorite, but Kemet is a phenomenal game. And yeah. I think the expansion looks very, very interesting to the point that it, it may supersede Cyclades in my mind. Yeah. So this is not an expansion. This is a reprint. Or, yeah. Is it just the reprint? They no, they also have new... some expansions, and oh, I'll get into that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Kemet Blood and Sand is the official reprint. So they've updated the art, they have updated the graphics on the board, they've actually added in. And now, I actually really like the old pyramids. I'm just going to call that. But they added in pyramids that you can build up. Um, they're like plastic, of course, microplastics. Um, but they've updated some of the sculpts for some of the minis. So some of those tiles you can unlock are like a giant scorpion to go into your army. Cause why not? Um, or like a mummy and things like that. So they've updated all those things. Um, so this is the official reprint. Um, but on top of that, they added in some extra content and this is where I wanted to bring it up because this is the thing that really turned off a lot of people during the Kickstarter. I didn't really care because I wasn't going to back it for this to begin with, but they added in, they were like, Ooh, there's going to be this emerald one, um, this emerald colored gemstone God that you can pray to. We're going to reveal what that is. Now, if you think of emerald study an emerald, huh? I should have seen that coming, but it was Cthulhu. Um, now Cthulhu was really, really popular. Cthulhu Miso, mythos a couple years ago. This did not resonate well with people. Um, a lot of people canceled their pledge actually because of it. But kudos to Matago for kind of leaning in and finding a new way around it. And they actually created all new art and um, powers because people were saying, well, Cthulhu doesn't fit in with Egyptian gods. And I didn't play this. I'm not playing this game to play with Egyptian gods. Uh, well, to play with anything but Egyptian gods. Um, I don't really want Cthulhu in that. Like, this is not a Cthulhu game. Um, so people got upset. And so what they're doing is they're offering, you can buy the Cthulhu side of things as an add-on, or you can, and or you can get the expansion, which is now the Book of the Dead, which like is an Egyptian thing, um, which they should, probably should have just done from the get go. Like that was sitting there. It's even in a Brendan Fraser movie called The Mummy, um, right? Like it's there. We know it. It's there. Um, but I don't really care, Josh. And you and I were having a conversation before about expansions, and this is one of the games that kicked it in for me. Of I know I'm going to want to play this game, and I'm going to want to play the base game a lot. So we were talking about this when we were talking about the 10 by five that you're doing um, with some friends. And I know that I just wanted this for the game. I didn't really want it for the expansion. So I personally didn't back the expansions and I didn't really care about the Cthulhu stuff because I wasn't planning to back it for that anyway. Right. Uh, but I know some completionists, they want all the things and that's fine if that's you, but I'm really looking forward to finally owning a copy of Kemet. And that's what I came into this Kickstarter with the intent of. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think the added Book of the Dead is probably the thing that, that would have sold me on this. I did not back it. I think just out of 
financial concerns at this point. Yeah. But Kemet is a fantastic game. It, It really is. And it is a game that deserved a reprint because the artwork was fine for the time that it was created but it's also a little dated. It was yes. 2012 when it came out. It didn't look the nicest. The miniatures were a little weepy. Uh, they, yep. they weren't high quality. And so, yeah, I think this is a really, really exciting prospect for people to get it. I'm with you. I If you don't like an expansion, don't get the expansion. Um, you know... It's nice that they listened to folks and came out with another option that was a different theme and connect. I I understand the argument, right? Yeah. I get not wanting Cthulhu in an Egyptian god game. I get that. But I also understand that there are people who really want that. So... Including their designer, one of their designers, obviously. Like someone in Madigo was like... I want to add Cthulhu. This is going to be cool. And kudos yeah. to you for putting in all that work. Yeah. But I, I do think that it will be a fantastic game. It It's already a fantastic game, even if you don't get the expansion. Definitely something worth playing, if not owning. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So, Josh, um, that is Kemet Blood and Sand by Matigo. And at the time of this recording, they do have a late pledge available if that interests you. So if looking into Kemet interests you, I encourage you to do that. And if you're looking into Kemet versus getting an older copy of Kemet, I would recommend this one um, just to put it out there because of some of the updates they've made. They're just, there's some things in the old game I'd rather not get into right now. They're just culturally inappropriate that they've completely gotten rid of in this one. Um, Cause there were some weird translation things that just, yeah, wouldn't, aren't really okay in today's day and time. Um, but yeah, Josh, let's go with one more quick one each real quick. One more quick one each. I'm going to go ahead and steal one off of your Do list it. here, Bruce, because that's something I've talked We have talked about in the past on this show, something that I am ecstatic about, but will, is entering production i'm looking it up as you talk as we as we speak i believe this game is in production and i could not be more excited and that is sleeping gods yes we are just running down josh's top list of publishers (laughs) in today's episode as we spend a little bit of time with red raven games and Ryan Lockett's new brain baby. Yep. <laughs> um, I the man hatches these schemes that just do not seem to fail and build upon themselves in these super interesting ways. And you talk about, you know, we talked about maybe Mind Clash has solved the replayable uh legacy style game i i am more excited and and believe it is more likely that ryan lockett has solved the legacy style game in sleeping gods 
Sleeping Gods, if you are unaware of what this is, it is um, similar in some respects to past games that Ryan Lockett has put out, such as Above and Below and Near and Far. So in Sleeping Gods, you will be taking on the role in a cooperative uh, playthrough or in a solo playthrough of different members of a ship that is lost at sea. That's cooperative. And finds its way into a strange land inhabited by strange creatures. And it is your job to find these crystals that will allow you to come back to Earth and escape from the sleeping gods. You have a timer in terms of hours of playthrough in this game. As you sail around this world, going on adventures, solving problems for the locals, recruiting new members to assist you and give you resources and help you on your path before the sleeping gods awake and you are stuck in this strange world forever. That sounds cool. This is a game that estimates 120 hours of playable experience if you really want to to continue to replay and discover everything you have a book in this game that is a map of the world and each page is a different map and when you sail off of one edge it tells you to go to a new page which is the new area of the world that you are in so you can continue to replay and try again and discover new areas of the map and new stories to be told i i i am so excited for this this is the perfect game for my wife and i we both love above and below we both love near and far we love the storytelling we enjoy cooperative games together just this has everything that we need in in a nice long haul game for the two of us to really sink our teeth into yeah and josh on top of that like the art is amazing so ryan's not only the designer and publisher he's also the artist for the thing (laughs) um, which is just impressive i saw them at uh, bgg con in the fall and while i was demoing rome um with them and experiencing that, which is a lot of fun. Um, they were all had all these index cards and printing out and cutting things out because they're constantly working diligently on the background to really flesh out these stories and make sure the storylines all intersect. Um, if you've ever liked to choose your own adventure book, this is that in the game, um, or above and below near and far in this or all that in the game, but this is one's cooperative where the other ones were more competitive. Um, and the whole story, like, the map thing. So imagine having a map of the world in front of you on paper and cutting it into equal sized rectangles and then trying to figure out putting them in a book together in a way where you have arrows going off the page and like go to page 23 to continue into Russia type thing. Um, it's the art is amazing The everything on this. I cannot say how much I'm excited about this game. 
it was an insta back for me um and it looks like there's also some things pulling over from some of the other games which is cool um and josh just answer you on timeline so at the beginning of july ryan posted a video of the pre-production copy and address that uh, manufacturing was well underway. Um, obviously, with COVID, that impacted things a little bit, um, but that they're still like, yes, it is a slight delay from original timeline, um, but it is going to be coming in the coming months, which is just phenomenal. And honestly, the pre-production copy looks better than I thought the production copy was going to. So the fact that that's pre-production, he says, I'm going to fix these things and make it better. Yes, please. Everything about this game just <laughs> looks gorgeous yeah and it's easy to there are too. some kickstarter exclusives here yeah. but i will a thousand percent say this is a game that if i had not already instant backed it it would be an instant purchase the day that it hits shelves of my game store yep yep so we're really excited about it so listeners you can also then expect to hear about it in a couple months um because like josh said it's a great game that he plays with his wife my wife loves playing uh, near and far with me um and so yeah we're definitely going to be playing this even during this uh, pandemic era because we can um because this is absolutely a game that fits in that niche um so lastly josh i'm just going to do a very very quick one and say that finally 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 the Kickstarter for Railroad Tycoon, the Fat Cat expansion, and the big box for it all is finally on the boat. Uh, listeners, this game <laughs> this game has hit every production issue that you could run into for a game, and including COVID and printer changes and everything. And I'm looking forward to it. I have Railroad Tycoon. Josh, I know you've played Railroad Tycoon. We've played it online. Um finally we're getting the expansion for this um it is a really cute game really it's commodity trading um, by playing cards to influence the market and then it's set collection um it's really really drilled down of what a stock market game essentially could be a commodity based game but i'm really looking forward to the expansion it's finally on the boat and we'll be here in a couple weeks i'm ecstatic over this one cannot wait um, very very excited to see it finally shipping because i don't actually own the base i have been unable to play it for a while now because of that fact so i am thrilled i can remember i believe this was also back in 2018 when yep. i first joined the podcast that we discussed this and i purchased my copy of railroad tycoon while we were recording <laughs> and yep it's yep finally going to make its way to my doorstep and i'm i'm excited yeah so listeners get excited for that one um it is cool i think it is also coming to retail so you'll see it there without some of the kickstarter exclusives um but also just as a forewarning um, this should be a reminder that Kickstarter is not a pre-order service and it never was really that. Um, but so things can happen in the world. You're really sometimes feeling passion projects um, or, or you're the reason this thing exists. So no, this game for Railroad Tycoon, uh, not Railroad Tycoon, uh, Raccoon Tycoon was supposed to get here theoretically 
uh, last November. Um, so it's finally coming just almost a year later. Um, so know that you'll have, you will experience this in the Kickstarter realm. So do your due diligence with Kickstarters. Um, but there's a lot of really cool stuff there, um, and stuff we can learn about. So with that, Josh, any closing thoughts for our listeners on all of this things to look forward to mentality? You know, I think this is a very exciting time for board game enthusiasts. I am very interested to see what comes out of these months of isolation and months of quarantine. Obviously, we have not seen a slowdown in production of games to the extent that a lot of people feared. I can only imagine that people who have been designing and working on games have taken that to the next level during this time as they've had the ability to dedicate more time and energy to these passion projects. So I'm very excited to see what happens. I think we are in an exciting time for the board game industry and I just can't wait to see what happens next. I completely agree with you, Josh, and I will tease something that I learned of last night. Um, and I posted about this cause we're seeing people work on things. So last night, um, I found out and I really hope this is a thing. So things to look forward to. That's why I got to say it, but there was a trademark filed for hero quest legacies by restoration games. I hope that's going to be a thing. Um, hero quest hasn't been in production since 1990. Um, I own a copy from 1989. So it's like, yeah, people are actively working in this time of pandemic, um, to make good things happen. And so I think that's the spirit of this podcast of let's talk about these cool things in the board game hobby, things to look forward to reasons to bring people together digitally and in person, um, and make cool things happen as a community. Um, so encourage that through the spirit of that. And if you believe in that, share this podcast with others, um, consider joining the Patreon over on patreon.com slash board game impact. But most importantly, we'll see you again in a couple weeks and until then go make a positive impact on the world.